grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. There's a lot going on in our gospel reading, and so it's easy to miss the basic arc of the story. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and nights, and he was hungry, starving, I think we'd say. But look, angels came and took care of him. What happens with each of the temptations is important. How Jesus overcomes the temptations of the devil is important, but it is no less important that the overall fact of the story is this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He fasted nearly to death, and then angels came and took care of him. No matter how many temptations Jesus endured, no matter how long he fasted and remained faithful, it wouldn't mean much if God was not there for him in the end. Indeed, this is the chief part of all the devil's temptations that he presents, not just to Jesus, but to you and to me. He wants us to know, to believe any story but this, that God is faithful and that in the end we will be saved. Of course, what happens during the story matters, whether the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, the story of your life, the story of the world. But it is the end of the story that determines the meaning of the whole. So Jesus answers the first temptation, and he does so with the words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the reason that this is true is not just because the word of God is better than bread, but because the word of the Lord endures forever. Not only bread, but, as Jesus says, even heaven and earth will pass away. But his words will never pass away. At the end, the word of God remains, which is why the end of the world will actually be the beginning of the new heavens and the new earth, because the word of the Lord does remain forever. And for this reason, the bread that you receive from this altar is better than any other food in the world, because the life that you receive from any and every other food will not last, nor can it make your life last. But this bread, the bread that is the flesh of Jesus, the very word of God made flesh, this bread gives eternal life. And when all else has died, When all of their life has come to an end, when all of their bread has disappeared, this bread of life remains. And so do those who partake of this bread. Then again, in the second temptation, when the devil tries to use God's promises against Jesus, Jesus replies, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And this too has to do with the end. It is not that it is wrong to trust God's promises. The problem of the test is that it judges God's faithfulness in the moment and not by the end. 
God's promises are not less than you can count on in the moment. They are greater. God does command his angels concerning Jesus, but not merely to keep him from getting hurt by jumping off of the temple, but rather that after that 40 days and nights of fasting and after all the temptations of the devil, the angels do come and they care for Jesus. And indeed, this happens not only in the wilderness, but also in the garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus prayed in agony, there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. God does keep his promises. We have to wait to see them. And indeed, then in the end of this most holy of stories of the gospel of Jesus, the angels next appear after the garden of Gethsemane, not ministering to Jesus, but to the disciples, as they are there at the empty tomb, proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. God does command his angels that they have care over you. And so he brings them to the apostles, and through the apostles to you, the news of the end of every story, that the reign of sin is ended, the power of the devil is broken, death is destroyed, that all things, whether in heaven or on earth, have been reconciled by the blood of the cross of Christ. This is the test that God himself provides. This is the measure and fulfillment of his faithfulness to every promise he has given, that Christ dies and is risen from the dead and raises us up to life. The third temptation, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil said to Jesus, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The temptation here is not merely for Jesus to worship Satan, but for Jesus to worship the kingdoms of this world and their glory. That is to say, it is the temptation to worship that which does not last. In the moment, it certainly would have been a lot better to have been the ruler of the Roman Empire than to be someone hanging on one of their countless crosses. And yet, how does it end? The Roman Empire has sat in ruins for centuries while Christ is exalted to sit at the right hand of the Father, and we today gather here in Iowa, kneeling before the cross of Christ. The moment does not tell you what actually happens in the end. The cross indeed stands while all else around us crumbles. Worship the Lord and serve him only is not just the right thing to do. It is the only thing that will not fail. There is none other God, as we just sang, and he holds the field forever. And while there are lots of ways to improve your present life by putting something or someone other than God first, Not a one of them will make the slightest difference when you are laid in the grave. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. But the cross of Christ actually takes that dust and raises it up to be a son of God for all eternity. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, fasted nearly to death, and then angels came and took care of him. God is faithful. The end of the story has been written. Again, as we just sang, our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. 
We are waiting to see how we get to that end. We don't know everything that's going to take place between then and now, how God will work each and every story to its conclusion. But we do know the conclusion, just as we know the conclusion of Lent and Holy Week. For they are the same conclusion, the same end of the story, and the same beginning of the eternal story. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the faithfulness of God that endures forever. And we know that we too, in between now and the end, that we will face many trials and temptations, that we will fast, suffer, yes, even die. And unlike Jesus, we know that we ourselves will fail in each of these things, that we will falter, fall, sin, fail. But we do not enter either the fast of Lent nor the trial of life because we think that we might succeed. We enter with hope and joy because we know that Christ has already succeeded, that he has endured already every last temptation, every last suffering, been obedient even to the point of death on a cross and to the very depths of the grave. But we also know, we know how that story ends. He is risen. And that's why our Christian life then, this life in which we know we're going to stumble and fall and fail, our Christian life begins with baptism, where the Holy Spirit unites us to nothing less than the death and resurrection of Jesus and fastens us to it so that his story is now our story. His righteousness is ours. Every victory and success that Christ has is gifted to you in the waters of holy baptism. Another way of saying it is that we actually begin the Christian life by starting at the end, by starting with the death and resurrection of Jesus that is the end of all things and the beginning of all that is made new. We begin with the it is finished of Jesus on the cross where he takes away every last power of sin and death and the devil. We begin with that end. And we go forward then with confidence, with true joy, with real hope, because we know how the story ends. And whatever happens in between now and then, none of it will shake this truth, that Christ has died for you. He has defeated sin and death and all the power of the devil. And not only has he died for you and been laid in the tomb, he is risen from the dead. That is where you also are headed, to nothing less than the resurrection in Christ from the dead. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.